Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You were threatening rumors that were about my husband's sexuality. It's not right to do this to people with families, with small children, with businesses. I am a pillar in the community in Salt Lake City, and I have always had a really incredible reputation. Because we don't have footage of you. At a minimum, have called me a fraud. I have multiple personality disorder. I'm a lying bitch. You criticize my marriage. You criticize my business. You threaten to take a hit on my family. You call me a trampoline with eyes. That was a compliment. That I have used my son as a pawn to take the heat off me for rumors that I did not spread. You, okay, I that I'm keep was going to get one fired, by one. so that's oh, why no. I started rumors about you, that you made me relevant and you threatened me in the cave. And those oh. are just okay. the two I could think of off okay. the top of okay. my head. This is great. I do think I activated you. <laughs> Another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. This is our Housewives edition for the week, but I think we need to have a little chat real quick because um, I'm, I'm coming to some realizations here. I have not even watched this week's Potomac, and I don't feel the need to. And I'm in a spiral of depression because of it, because how did we get here? Nobody's supposed to be here. These girls were my favorite. And now I just like can't get it up. And that's not usually like me. Like I'm down for a fight unless I'm not, in which case I'll fold immediately. But usually I'm down for a fight and to stay with the ship, even if even as it's sinking. But this I feel like I know my heart's going to be broken. And so the universe is protecting me. By just, like, taking the wind completely out of my sails with wanting to watch Potomac. Maybe I'll do it this weekend? I don't know. So, sorry, y'all. I don't have a recap for Potomac because I don't know what happened. And I don't know if I want to know. The spirit of motivation is just not happening with me. So, 
we're going to have to deal with that. And I don't know when or how it's going to happen. <laughs> I'm bummed. I'm really bummed about it. I loved Potomac, y'all. And Karen can't just be the only person trying to bring these girls together so we can all film. I can't watch that man continue to play the fuck out of Robin. It's like, I know at this point we all have to be like, with regard to Juan and Robin, like, if you like it, I love it, girl. Like, clearly, that's your man. And this is a relationship that you want to accept. So we just have to like, you know, look the other way, I guess. But I just don't want to watch it, you know? I don't want to watch a man hate you. He doesn't even have a job. Why would I watch that? That's crazy to me. So today we're going to talk about Salt Lake, part one of the reunion, and the latest episode of Beverly Hills. So let's get into it, shall we? What's What was the set? The set was like Bermuda going through an ice storm. It was a pirate ship with icicles coming out of it. I don't know. It looked like an America's Next Type Top Model Challenge set. I We just, like, can't get away from the snow because they're from Salt Lake. I think that's the only thing that's really tying the whole thing together. <laughs> but really, like, nothing makes sense in this franchise. So, you know, why do it with the set design? The first question is discussing the Jen Shaw of it all and how last season none of those bitches had any smoke for her pleading guilty down to the feds. And so Andy asks them, what are your feelings now? Now that she's, you know, clankety clank and you're free, you don't have to keep anything secret anymore. Nothing. I thought they were incredibly gentle. They didn't really want to say anything. Whitney was the one who had like the strongest statement, I guess, really that she always maintained that she was like on the fence. <laughs> That, that's the strongest thing that we got. I always said that, like, there was a strong possibility that Jen was guilty. But then they all kind of agree that they were fearing some sort of retaliation from her going after them or their businesses or just, like, bullying online. So even still, they don't want to get into it. Even now, it's, like, ironclad. The bitch is in jail. Prison. Prison. You're fine. What is she going to do? She can't be using all her JPay money to bully you guys. I mean, she could. She could. She did threaten to sue Heather and Andy last week, didn't she? Well, I don't know. I just feel like at this point, who's really listening to and believing Jen Shaw? Like, who cares? You know, her credibility is in the federal prison next to Elizabeth Holmes. So wh what's the fear now? You know, I was thinking, and maybe I was thinking too hard. So walk me, you know, walk with me through this. Is it, you know, when Heather made her big speech at the finale to Monica about how they, you know, sat there and took a, you know, fist with some big ass jewelry to her head and to her eye and all the times that they stuck up for her, her especially, uh, for Jen and how they weren't going to do that anymore. I think like we could go a little further with that and also say... Is it that you don't want to have somebody who has your skeletons in their closet because they're real? Or, like, because if, at the end of the day, like, if Monica's telling lies about you guys, then that'll all come to the light. But I think, you know, a lot of the reason why they maintain friendships with Jen and they were fearing retaliation is because she had some real 
juice on all of those girls. And they were like, we're not going to put ourselves in that position again, where we have somebody who's puppet mastering all of us by like, with like real shit. And so I think that's also why they're not really saying anything right now. Anyway, obviously, because I don't want to get a cease and desist from Jen Shaw either from talking about her too much. Our first girl up to the plate is Monica. She also got first chair. Probably for the first and last time. But we'll move on. Particularly, her package was about her beef with Lisa in the beginning, right? Andy first brings up her crying with Linda about buying the Louis Vuitton purse to kind of fit in with the crowd. And Monica says, listen, as an outsider looking in, all of them look flawless. Their homes are beautiful. And you have to wonder what you're bringing to the table. Like, I'm a whore. I've gone through a divorce. I have a 3,000 square foot home. Like, this is how I felt. And I think everybody in their life has, at one point in another, felt like I just don't really belong. So Andy asks why she was upset about Lisa losing her ring. Because she would probably, which a poor ass, be (laughs) upset about it if you lost yours. And Monica says it wasn't that she was upset about it. It was the fact that she kept bringing up how much it was, the 60K, over and over again. Lisa, I only mentioned it three times. And that, like, she goes on to say that what the real thing was that it was a sentimental gift that John had given her after she had given birth to Henry, who almost died after birth. So... You know, obviously it meant a lot to her, but is that fair to, like, put on somebody after the fact? Like, okay, I didn't know that. All I knew, she did say it was sentimental at the time. Whether or not Monica heard that, I don't know. But she didn't tell them the whole story, which she says, well, I don't owe you that, which is like, okay, well, fine. But then you can't say it. You can use that as an explanation, but you can't use that as a reason to get mad at her. Because she didn't have that information. You know what I mean? So then Andy asks Monica where she thinks the rumors and the blind item came from her, or rather about her taking the ring, came from. And she's like, oh, I think it came from over there, meaning Lisa and Heather. So Monica says, okay, well, if it didn't come from you guys, then why, when it came out, did you guys not defend me and say, oh, we don't think it came from her? So Lisa's like, well, I don't feel like I have to do that. But then Heather blows it up. So girl, just shut up and mumbles under her breath. Well, maybe we didn't know. You know, maybe that's not what we thought. To which Monica's like, thank you. That's exactly my point. And then she says, this is an easily stereotypical thing to accuse me of taking the ring because I have less money than all of you guys. And then, you know, it's just like, (laughs) Angie... Angie starts speaking up and is like, oh, let's not go there. Like, let's not talk about stereotypical, blah, blah, blah. So Monica looks over at her and goes, why are you talking, you bench warming bitch? <laughs> so then she <laughs> sets the record straight that she did not steal the ring. And then she's like, I didn't even go to the bathroom until 20 or 30 minutes after Lisa lost it. I've never thought that Monica took that ring First of all, we would have found out by now. Somebody at some pawn shop that she would have given it to would have, like, said, like, hey, girl, she took the ring. But first of all, like, I didn't think she did. Lisa, we can see the rings that she has there are, like, very chunky and heavy looking. And they also seem to, like, very easily slide right off her fingers very quickly. So I think she just flushed it and didn't realize it. I honestly do. So then Andy asks Monica to expand more on her relationship with Jen. 
Monica says that they were friends. She started working for her and then they became en- enemies. So then Andy asked, well, what exactly did you do for her? And she's like, well, you know, I just think she really needed help at the time with her life. Now, looking back, like, I kind of get it. I kind of felt like more, I was more like a friend who would just do things for her. Like, I would get her groceries and I would help her be on time for meetings. She admits at this point that she did not get paid for this position. So Andy's like, wait, you took away time with your kids for free? Why? <laughs> now, I did hear a rumor. So this is all alleged that Jen and Monica met through Monica's husband, who was working, I don't know, some sort of, he was hired to do some work for the for the Shaw house, or for whoever's house that they were renting. Monica finds out, oh, you're going to Jen Shaw's house, I'm going to come with you, and then they, like, kind of befriended each other and from there, right? So Heather asks, well, Monica, were you looking at this as an opportunity to see where it gets you, like, I don't know, Kim Kardashian? And when Monica says no, Heather goes, oh, well, that's interesting because I uh, have a little recording on my phone where she basically says word for word. Yo, fucking Kim Kardashian was a fucking assistant. Look at where she is now. I can fully admit that the reason why I was an assistant was a stepping stone and a learning experience. And so after the clip, Andy goes, okay, and so that proves what? That she was trying to get on the show? And she's like, yes. <laughs> but I think this is like another thing where it's like, Heather, you don't have really any place to be like, well, she worked to get on the show. And like, I like, okay, Lisa was the one who kind of brought all you girls together. But, like, auditioning for the show or sending in an email expressing your interest for the show, I don't think is really that abnormal. I think it's just, again, one of those things that people don't want to talk about with reality TV or particularly with Housewives because it kind of takes the sheen off of the reality aspect of it all. But, like, that's just how the sausage is made. Now, where I'm going to have to call bullshit with Monica is that she says that she did not hook up with Jen you know, former friendship with Jen as an agenda. Monica says when she met Jen, she did not even know that she had a show. Now, I don't know how that's true. When, what, was it the first BravoCon back in 2019 where Andy announced, that was like November 2019, where he announced the franchise, right? Monica is seen on her, Jen's Instagram story from December of 2020. Now, I know that they filmed... I shouldn't know this. Season one from like November to like, because they were the first or rather they were the last housewives that like filmed pre-pandemic shutdown. So I think they filmed from like November to like early March 2020. She was also in that WAP, you know, that dance challenge that happened on TikTok with Jen. That song came out in the summer of 2020. So I think maybe she misspoke clearly okay maybe you knew her before the show actually aired but you definitely had to have known that she had a show because it was announced in 2019 and didn't they announce who it was maybe they didn't i think she had to have known if she had already filmed season one surely she knew that she was on the show so back to monica saying that she emailed casting to get on the show (laughs) 
Heather asks her, well, what did you say? And she's like, well, I told them my name is Monica Fowler and your show sucks and your ratings are shit and it's going to get canceled because you don't have to write cast. So. <laughs> They're like, really? Andy's like, is that what happened? The ratings sucked? Huh. Okay. And so Monica's like, yeah, that is what I said. That's exactly what I said. Now up pops the email from November 2021, which says, hi there. Reaching out in regards to your casting calls would love more information on what needs to be done or how to move forward. You guys need a feisty, excommunicated Latina on the show immediately. I'm your girl, Monica F. (laughs) Now that's downright unwell, babe. Like, why would you tell them that you said all this nasty shit? (laughs) Why would production respond to that? (laughs) Positively. And why would you make it seem like you were a total bitch... (laughs) When you were completely polite and professional. That is truly unwell and hilarious. I think it's funny. Then we get to her allegedly ratting out Jen to the feds. Monica says that really what happened is she talked to her friend in Secret Service. He didn't tell her, oh, Jen's going to go down soon. What he told her allegedly is that she's going to go to prison. Your friend's going to prison based on what you're telling me. So then she reached out to the feds saying that she had info on Jen's case and she feels like she did the right thing and everybody else should have to. Oops. <laughs> Next, we get to the affair with her brother-in-law. Monica says this actually happened over a decade ago and she had a lot of deep discussions with the ladies that they were really nice about. She did go on Instagram to talk about how the affair sort of happened as like a as a result of some domestic violence. I will, you know, let you guys read that if you want to, but it was like a pretty emotional tale. And you could tell even the ladies in that moment were like, yeah, we've had private conversations with her about how she even after the fact got, after getting excommunicated from the church, then like went and rejoined the church and all the very difficult steps it took to do that. And how she had a conversation with Whitney about, you know, how unfair it is and, and all that stuff. So That was like the one moment where all the girls were being a little bit nice to Monica. And that was nice. So then the next segment after that is about Whitney. 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 Girl, come on. I can't keep doing this with you, babe. Like, she keeps moving the goalpost with her being upset with people. And like, this is not going to work another season, Whitney. I can't do this with you. You did this with Heather, with the book. And oh, it went from, I didn't know anything about the book to, well, I didn't physically read it myself, even though you read it to me multiple times and I told you what to take out and I approved of it. Now we find out that Whitney was capping at Meredith Mark's story party. Now we give all respect in the world to her friend who passed like not 24 hours before that. However, if you're going to scream and yell at Lisa about not acknowledging and not checking in with you. We can't see a clip of Lisa doing exactly that, not once, but twice, and then you telling her in Bermuda that what you were actually mad at her about was not the fact that she did not check in with you, is that she checked in with you too much, and she should have picked on the, up on the fact that you were, like, sending signals to her that she was asking you, are you okay, are you okay, twice, which was two times too many, and then 15 minutes later was two times not enough. So... I like girl. <laughs> I just like 
you can't go from like you're not checking in to, with me to you're asking me and checking in with me too much. Like it can't be both, babe. It just can't. It just can't. Whitney, we can't again. We can't keep doing this. I, I you got to find something else. We can't. We're not gonna drum up any drama with Justin. Him and his dimples and your relationship seem perfectly fine. You don't have to be upset with anybody. Just have a good season, you know? <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Just be friends with people. Be shady. React to people being dramatic toward you. How, let's try that. Rather than you being upset with people for arbitrary reasons. And I don't even really want to rock. Like, if I had to pick between Lisa and Whitney, I would probably still pick Whitney, like, to kick it with and have fun. But, like, <laughs> this is not a reason to be upset with somebody. None of the reasons why you've been upset that I can think of this season have made sense when we find out the whole story. So, A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Oh. Let's move on. And then another thing that we don't really have to talk about, but we will, is Meredith. You know, I don't really care to get into the ladies saying that Meredith has a tendency to use random tragedies that they had never heard before to keep her from being accountable for other things. Because honestly, her reasoning ate a little bit because she was like, you guys know that I am very quick historically to disengage and leave a room. I don't have to come up with a reason to not talk with you guys, because I'll just leave with no excuse. You guys have seen me do that a hundred times, so let's not act like it's new. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is so funny to me. Our next segment is about the rumors and the nastiness about the husbands, okay? First, we get information that Monica's divorce is finalized. She's going to be receiving like $6,600 a month in child support. She doesn't really want to seem to get into that. There seems to be more to that story. She doesn't seem very thrilled about the alimony, so we're just going to have to move on. But then Heather and Meredith ask her about her business. She's got like a baby swaddling blanket business. Heather says she actually uh, ordered some blankets, but then has not received them. And Meredith says that there have been a lot of people online who said that they've not gotten their orders, <laughs> which Monica says... I guess in her filing that she said she was making no income off of that. She says that she had to shut it down in the pandemic because of the pandemic. Even though Whitney says my business was thriving in the pandemic. Um, and then I'm also like, which business girl, <laughs> which one? Anyway. Um, then she says 
that she got a bunch of orders that she was not expecting because of the show. She had to refund a bunch of people because she didn't have the materials or whatever the issue is. So figure it out, babe. So then Andy asks Angie how, you know, she and Sean are doing since the rumors about him. She clarifies that when she said like, oh, people talk about this all the time. What she was actually saying was that this was a thing that came up like 30 years ago when they were first dating and people would see him with his nice legs, I guess, doing hair. And they just assumed that he was gay. But then once it was established that he and Angie were a thing, like those things really didn't come out until, quote, the rat came out of the sewer, meaning Monica. Monica starts to laugh. Angie says, oh, don't act like it's the first time you've been called a rat, Monica. And Monica goes, well, it's not. And that's why I'm laughing, because, like, you got to find something new. <laughs> so then Angie says that the difference between Meredith, you know, slurring about the rumors and the nastiness about you is that Monica never, or Meredith, rather, never pretended to be Angie's friend like Monica did. So then Andy turns to Meredith and says, well, Meredith, you never really elaborated, you know, and the rumors and the nastiness. But you did kind of dangle the carrot first in front of Lisa and then Whitney at the airport. So, like, what was your motivation in that? Because it kind of seemed like maybe you wanted them to do your dirty work by saying that rumor on camera. So Meredith says, well, first of all, I didn't say it was about their marriage. So Andy goes, no, you did. You said, do you want to talk about the husband? So Meredith pulls out a sheet of paper, a printout. She says, well, I actually have the exact words if you want to go back. Okay? Lawyer. (laughs) Esquire. She goes, if you want to go for the jugular and talk about that, that shit right there, the rumors and the nastiness, we can do that. You know what? You want me to go there with husband? I can go there. Don't fuck with me. Tell her to fuck off. And Andy goes... Okay, well, that kind of feels like you're maybe dangling a rumor about her husband. And Meredith goes, correct, but I didn't say anything about their marriage, did I? (laughs) Teflon marks. We love it. We love it. Andy's like, well, what's the difference? And Meredith says, well, there are rumors that can pertain to Sean that have nothing to do with her marriage. So Andy asks again, did you do this? To have somebody else bring it up on camera. She says no. So then Andy asks Angie what she thinks. And she's like, well, based on what Monica said about Sean being gay, I kind of figured that's what Meredith had told her. If she didn't. But it's also like, it's not right to do that with people. I have a family. I have a business. I'm a pillar in the community. (laughs) What would that even mean? What would that even mean these days, babe? That is so, so funny to me. That is so funny. So then Meredith reads out all these lists of things that Angie K said about her and like Us Weekly, I guess. Like that she made Meredith relevant, that she threatened to put a hit out on Meredith, that Meredith was about to get fired from the show. And Andy, Angie was the one who like helped her out by giving her a storyline. So Angie goes, well, it does seem like I did activate you this season, so... You're welcome. And listen, Meredith, I don't really truly believe that you have multiple personalities. You just that your voice is changing. It was a joke. And I would rather call you a trampoline with eyes because that means you have nice, tight skin. And other than, like, I could say you're wrinkly. So I would take that trampoline as a, with a face as a compliment. <laughs> now, shout out to Ira Madison III, whose comment made it to the show about how what I thought, too. Whitney is trying to use Monica 
to be the one to bring the rumor out on camera and how Whitney's in her villain era. Whitney says that's not true. She never knew about the rumors until Lisa came into her room in Palm Springs and told her about it. Which, do we believe that? I don't know. I don't know. Heather said with her full chest, yeah, girl, everybody talked about it. We've been new about the rumors anyway. Anyway, Angie says that Monica was determined to get this story about out about her because she went around to everybody on the cast and said the rumors. This was first week of filming and she's thinking that they're friends. And Monica says, I never said anything. Angie tells her to shut up. This is my marriage and this is my moment. And you have no respect for marriage. <laughs> you need to zip it. Monica says, oh, good. Good for you, Angie. You finally made it four seasons later. And then Angie goes, bitch, I deserve to be here because I check all the boxes. You and your fucking Range Rover under, over a, under a fucking carport, spending your kids' money on a fucking purse. You're irresponsible and you're sending a bad message. <laughs> Monica's like, oh, keep your keep my fucking kids' names out of your fucking mouth. I was watching the Peacock Uncensored version, by the way. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So I'm actually not sure like what information was in there that was not on the show, but it was a good episode. If you guys want to check it out, just if if only for the fucks at the very end, it was worth it. All right, let's move on to Beverly Hills. There's gotta be a better way to eat this to not like. <laughs> I don't like this one. You can eat this one. Do you have to work? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't like the antelope. I, I think about that every time. Here you go. I don't want that kind either. This is exactly how we're right, heading start. into Beverly Hills. The girls are going to Ojai to celebrate Anna Marie's birthday. And on the way there, Garcelle tells Sutton she had her talk with Dorit. Like the other day, right? And ultimately, she's going to move on. Now, I think the only thing because I did not talk about last episode that needs to be said here, like here in this moment, is that I believe, or rather, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to take Garcelle saying, we're just going to move forward as like a sign that Garcelle is, I don't know, like just putting her sword down and and maybe she really wasn't that upset, but she wanted to come at Dorit or whatever. But I'm I'm seeing a different thing here. What I'm seeing is somebody who's tired and who's like, I'm not I just sat in the face. I her face. I explained as clearly as I could how I felt, how Dorit made me feel. It wasn't clicking for her. So rather than just being the black woman on the cast who keeps, quote unquote, harping on a situation or belaboring an issue with somebody who clearly doesn't get it, let's just move on. And we can clink glasses and drink rosé. And I'm just going to have a good time. Just sit there and enjoy my food because she doesn't get it. So it's not worth continuing to go for. You know, there's no conversation that can be had with a blank space of understanding. So why, why, like, at some point you got to protect your own peace, you know, and just be like, you know, I, uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> just I'll, I can coexist with her and be perfectly fine in a group. So I'm just going to do that. I tried. The ladies go shopping around Ojai and Kyle admits that she buys something every day on the phone, in bed, online. Gas station, mobile mart, airport stores, something. She's getting her fix, and she loves it. 
Well, good for you. I mean, you got the coin. And while you, while you have a joint bank account and while you got that agency money, spend it up, baby. Spend it up. I actually saw somebody on TikTok make a very good point about women who marry into very privileged financial situations. Don't go into that situation being frugal. Because if shit goes awry, you're going to have to prove that there's a lifestyle that you've become accustomed to. And if you've been like, you know, being a spendthrift throughout that whole thing, then your husband or ex can come back and say, actually, she wasn't really living that high on the hog. And so I'm going to give her, you know, a $40,000 a year lifestyle because that's how she's been spending, even though we've been living in this mansion, you know, spend that money, girl, spend it like it's going somewhere. Because if shit goes down, you do want to keep that lifestyle and not have anybody say anything about it. So after that, the ladies go to lunch. It's like outdoors, it's winery, beautiful estate. And Kyle's looking around at the grounds and is like, ugh, I could live here, just be away from everybody and not be bothered. And everybody's like, yeah, you know, maybe I could do it for a minute and then I'd get bored. So in a confessional, Kyle says that, you know, it's not really feeling as connected to this town anymore. So probably why it's not in her taglines anymore, you know, in Beverly Hills. Well, first of all, doesn't she live in Encino and has for a while? Maybe that's why you don't feel connected to L.A. because you don't live there. Anyway, she says that as soon as Portia is done with high school. I feel like she was trying to be vague and, and like quickly uh, choose her pronouns so that we didn't hear that she said, I'm going to find a place to live that suits my needs. Not we. I hear no we. I know she's got access to a lot of listings at her fingertips if she wants to. And yet I didn't hear a we. Interesting. It's giving stay together for the kids. You know, it's giving when when you get home for college or your first semester that daddy and I are going to sit you down and have a little talk. And I'm sorry for that, Portia. I'm, I'm sorry for that. We saw all of Kyle's daughters. They're just like beautiful young ladies. All of them. All of them. Good for them. Anyway, the next question, because they're just asking like parlor games, is about the husbands. How would you feel about your husband communicating with other women on social media? Kyle says she's had to talk to Bill about that, about liking people's photos, following people, you know, a digital footprint, if you will. And then she says in a confessional that Mo gets a lot of DMs from women. They don't care that he's married. They're always the aggressor. And it just makes her realize that there are a lot of fucking assholes out there. Now, what are in your early DMs to Morgan? Anyway, then Sutton asks, Kyle, define communication. Like, what is not okay in terms of husbands communicating online? She goes, it's not just the DMing. DM is a hard no, okay? But you also can't just go around following every person, liking all their photos and stuff. Then I don't know where Kyle was going, but she's like, oh, hey, um, would anybody date a woman? And of course, everybody's like, oh, that's interesting. This is a shit that irks me about Kyle. It's like, you know the heat that's on your back right now. And so you know what you're doing when you're asking questions like these, okay? Like, I'm not even going to play this game. Like, you are just innocently asking this question, especially because Garcelle clocks it in a confessional. (laughs) But first of all, Sutton's like, I wonder why she would ask that. My cousin's a lesbian. (laughs) Thank you, Sutton. 
So Kyle says, yeah, you know, like, it is super easy. So she's now just hearing the question when she's the one who asked it. Yeah, I would. Sure. Like, it just never occurred to her. But Garcelle says in a confessional, you know, years ago, Kyle would act all scandalized, talking about threesomes or being with women. And now here she is down to be in a whole relationship with one. I don't know much, but I do think there's a country song in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, and a music video, too, Garcelle. So then Kyle says that when she was in Cabo with her girlfriends, scissoring just happened to come up. And, and all these people want to act like they don't know what scissoring is. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a child of the Internet. But these women are also, like, you know, I would say significantly older than me. How are we just going throughout our whole lives not knowing what scissoring is? I think we're just friends. This is another thing that annoys me, especially about Beverly Hills. Is like, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Three subs. like girl one of you guys was married to charlie sheen like give it up to the girl give it up oh also i forgot one of the dares was um to get somebody to lick kyle's toe and Sutton went up and did it gleefully right just a, a big batch of saliva right on the i believe it was the one that went to the market one of them so Sutton's having a great time she gets her tongue out again after Kyle and Dorit show everybody, they get on the floor and show people how to scissor. And then the nether, next dare is, now nobody dared them to show everybody how to scissor. But then the next actual dare is, Sutton, put your tongue in somebody's mouth or something. Touch tongues with somebody. Sutton gets to licking again. And then she gives Dorit like the lightest little tickle of her tongue. Now Dorit, who just got up from like, cloth rubbing clits with Kyle on the ground acted like oh you touch me with your tongue oh my god like that was too much and this is like the juxtaposition that annoys me like girl girl please please after Ojai we're back at home and just quickly getting into Garcelle with her kids and (laughs) she's like making lasagna for them it's in the oven Garfield is, like, looking into their window. It's, like, purely about to be ready. Jade makes himself a bowl of cereal. He's like, I need a snack. (laughs) Garcelle's the type of mom that I would envision myself to be because she just made that whole ass lasagna. And she goes, you're evil, and I hope you choke on it, too. (laughs) And she was dead ass. I mean, she did say it with a smile, like, lovingly. But she meant that. So then she's like, you know, I'm really sad because you guys, like, you're about to go to college. And Jade's like, we're 15. She's like, well, yeah, but, like, it's coming soon. And he's like, whatever. And when she goes, you look like you don't care, Jax goes, I don't share the same emotions as you. I want to leave. And one thing about Jax is he will use any excuse, moment, time to eat his mother up. Like, why do you have to go so hard on her, boy? chill out our next scene with Dorit and PK like I was really thinking do I really want to talk about Dorit because she's really like dust for me sticks never land at this point I don't really want to get into it but I do think that this conversation this therapy session that they have with Sarah and PK fascinating stuff because it starts off real discombobulated I would say PK is like a Garfield in his own in his own right, the doorbell rings. The therapist is there. And PK goes, oh, the doorbell just rang. But on the way to the door, he passes by a box of pizza and just opens up a slice. 
rather than getting the door. So Dorit has to be like, P P PK, you couldn't even open up the door for me? They're also, the drinks really messed me up because she is sitting there. They sit down. She's got herself a little green juice and he's drinking a Stella Artois. What time is it? <laughs> We're not on the same page here, babe. Not at all. Dorit says in a confessional that her patience with PK, done. Okay, he needs to show up for her, especially in the wake of her PTSD, right? So Dorit says, I just feel like PK doesn't quite understand the severity of my PTSD and largely the surprise element. All of this is stemming from the fight that they got into after he surprised her Julia Roberts style and they sang, they danced to the song from Top Gun, which was not from Pretty Woman at all. I don't know. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. He's upset because she had a list of complaints about that, right? And she was freaking out and like, I don't like surprises. But then she had some other things to say, which we'll get into that. So PK is annoyed, right? Very annoyed with her. So at the dinner for their anniversary, she's talking about this stuff and he's trying to tell the therapist, okay, does her PTSD require discussions right then and there? And when Dorit is like pissed off, like, how dare you be so insensitive to say, I can't express my feelings in the moment. She's like, that's a really shitty thing to say. But the therapist stops her and goes, actually, I don't think it's shitty because he's saying that maybe your timing was off. And PK says, well, in that moment, I just felt like it was a little bit of a fuck you. There's not a husband in the world that would take kindly to what you said after all that I would just had just done to like set up the situation. So Sarah says to PK, the PTSD is born from anxiety. How you react is born from anxiety. It's something that catches you off guard. So your instinct to protect yourself is to just be ready for something bad to happen all the time. So it doesn't matter if the surprise is a good surprise or burglars going into your door. Like you're always got that armor of protection to which Dorit says that's exactly right. So PK is like, oh, you know, all right, I get, do get some of that. But like, you know, there are some elements that I feel less PTSD and more obnoxious. Flashback to some scenes of her in the hotel asking one of her staff for uh, some Beverly Beach bronzer and looking at the hotel room and being like, why couldn't we get a suite? And at this point, like my suspicions about their finances are like, OK, y'all don't even have to t send me the tax returns like we don't need a, a 
headline from Radar Online. We all know what this is about to be in a few months. It, this has always been PK and Dorit, a very tenuous situation financially. I think we all have felt that in our spirit. And this was very clearly two people who are talking around the fact that they don't have money like they used to maybe a couple seasons ago. They're, the hog's not riding as high. And uh, PK's stressed, okay? And that's why he's getting distracted eating pieces of pizza. He's just trying to work out his anxiety on something. Both of y'all have anxiety, but for very different reasons. Dorit says in a confessional that one of the things that she loved about PK in the beginning is that he could let go of things really easily, but in the last few years, he's gotten a bit more harsh with her and sometimes a little bit mean. But then PK says in a confessional that when he first met Dorit, he was just bubbly, light girl, and not as high-maintenance as she is now. So Dorit says that because of all the triggers she has, she feels like a completely different person. And also that she can't do anything about it. So she asks PK, like, do you know what that feels to live like that? It sucks. So then the therapist, Sarah, asks, okay, Dorit, what do you want in the future? She's like, well, I want to know that if I tell PK... I'm really not good right now. I need him to understand that I'm having an episode and he needs to comfort me. So then she says in a confessional that this is really the time where, you know, you know, for better or for worse. She thinks they're in for better or for worse. PK's in for richer or for poorer. They're on two different parts of this. Vows, I really think that like the money's not coming in and he's stressing the fuck out because she's, again, accustomed to a lifestyle that he can no longer maintain. And I'm also wondering if, like, now that they don't see Mo as much, like, is was they, were they doing business? Was there a factor in that? Like, I really wonder. I really do. And then PK says in a confessional that it's really hard to keep up with work and travel and trying to keep the missus happy. And sometimes things have to give. But you also need to keep each other happy and realize that, you can be wrong, which has been a challenge for Dorit. This man is broke, okay? And he's looking over at that green juice being like, bitch, I can't afford $17 a pop for this. And the, and the private school, the private teachers that we have homeschooling our children, it's too much, girl. It's too much. Then we have to go to, well, not have to, we go to Kyle's event. It's for the National Association of Mental Illness, I believe. Honoring Kyle's late friend, Maureen. It's the anniversary of her passing. So Kyle picks up Teddy, Teddy and Morgan, two people that she says, you know, there are people that I speak to every day. These are two of them, right? They discuss everything, marriages, highs, lows, scissoring, whatever. So when they get inside, at first they're talking logistics, right? How the show's going to go, the events, whatever. Morgan goes up to do sound check. And it's like, you hear the first little strums of that guitar. Kyle stops the conversation completely. Like, you know how people are doing this trend where you say your dog's favorite words, like conversationally, not to them? So that to see if they get it gets their attention to be like, oh, do you want to go to the park and like have a treat and go for a walk? You know, like something like that. And they're like, huh? It was like that. It was like Morgan sat on that stage and said, treat, treat. And Kyle goes, I got to go. 
she's standing on like right right of the little crowd no there's no crowd but you know right in front of the stage is like googly-eyed googly-eyed at morgan how convenient how convenient is that then morgan's like oh let's switch to another song and the lyrics are um i'm too young for you you're scared i'm too right for you interesting i swear if you pan down at kyle in that moment you would have seen a damn puddle by her feet like the bitch was wet moist okay dripping and i'm sorry to be vulgar but like i know what i'm looking at kyle says in a confessional that initially she was drawn to morgan by her music because she was just so raw and honest and putting it all out there which is something that she struggled with so it always kind of resonates when she sees it in other people Teddy sees Garcelle. Remember Garcelle called her annoying like a gnat a couple seasons ago? Teddy really thinks that she ate going up to Garcelle and be like, oh, the gnat's back as a callback. She didn't. She did not. Anyway, Kyle tells us when she greets Lorene's mother that Mo is not there because he had to be out of town for business. A few years ago, she really would have relied on him on a night like this. And then she kind of just sits there in the confessional and we just move on. But Garcelle says in a confessional that Mo not being there says a lot about where he and Kyle's relationship is. And maybe they're just not trying to hide it anymore. Yeah. So then, oh God, we have to go talk about Anne-Marie again. Just very quickly. I'll get you through it because I know we're all suffering. Anne-Marie and Crystal are talking. So Garcelle goes over to them in a little booth, right? Just chit-chatting. And so Anne-Marie goes... You know, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but God, like Sutton's small esophagus thing is just really driving me bananas. And so Garcelle asks a million dollar question. Why do you care? <laughs> she says, well, I care because I'm in healthcare." And then she says, well, she went around and asked a bunch of her colleagues what they think. And that they said that that's not true. And then suggested, she goes, well, you know, it might be like an eating disorder. And Crystal, you know, who's got her own issues, stops her immediately. It was like, "Mm mm-mm, shut it down. Anne-Marie, I didn't say that. I didn't say she had an eating disorder. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. 20 seconds later, exactly what you said. Exactly what she said. Then she's like, no, I just meant that, like, a narrow esophagus is not, like, a full total, total diagnosis. Okay, well, bye. Oh, my God. We got to talk about this after show. Y'all know, uh, I don't know. All, I don't really watch it. But Beverly Hills has an after show after episode commentary. What were they talking about? Oh, my God. Where Anne Marie played the fuck out of herself. I'm going to have to pause real quick and, and look. OK, yeah. Now I remember it starts with a conversation of Kyle expanding on. She's sitting with Erica and they're talking about, you know, their husband's social media behavior. And Kyle says that that season premiere scene where she's telling Mo like oh I'm very clear and she's like really sassing him big time was actually in the wake of him fucking up on social media and she was pissed off about it but then it gets to Anne Marie and her thoughts you know Anne eight eight and a half Anne Marie who said that her husband considers her an eight and a half in every category I think he maybe bumped her looks up to nine and a half but how she was okay with just being an eight and a half So she says that she would not have an issue with him communicating with people on social media because he will, let's say they're at a restaurant, point out a woman that he's fucked. And so 
you know, if she then sees him talking or communicating or liking photos of that same woman on social media, then it's okay because he was already honest about the fact that they fucked prior. I mean, she said dated, not fucked, but, you know, let's call a thing a thing, right? And then she's like, you know, it's like the eight and a half thing. He's honest. And, you know, I talked to my girlfriends about it. And, like, wouldn't you be okay with your husband calling you an eight and a half? And they're like, don't get it. And it's like, yeah. Okay, so you're telling me this is not the first time you've uh, workshopped this. You've actually told close personal friends, not just us on television. And they also think that you're moving real crazy with this man. So, okay. You keep trying to convince us that all of this is okay, and we just don't feel good about it, Anne-Marie. I'm not feeling good about anything about your energy on the show, to be honest with you, and that's why I want to stop talking about you, and so I'm going to. And I don't even really care that Dorit tried to make it seem like Garcelle only told Sutton what Anne-Marie had just said as a way to stir the pot, and it's like, no, she deserves to know that. She deserves to know. And you would have done the same thing, Dorit. So I'm not like, see, this is why like I have to be done with Dorit because she's always calling Garcelle out for shit that she would do or find totally acceptable with her little friends. So I'm just like, I don't, and I'm not going to. Okay. So then something interesting happens, which is Dorit says in a confessional that she met Morgan two years ago, which is not the story that we were told from Kyle. She says that they met in London and she remembers Morgan because Morgan stuck out like a sore thumb. Didn't really understand what the connection is to all of that. She and PK were there. It was Kyle and Mo. Morgan was nice, but she just didn't really get it, right? And then she says, you know, come to think of it, that may have been the last time Kyle and Mauricio and I saw them together. Like, casually, like, as dates, right? I heard, now this is completely alleged because I don't even know where I heard this from. I just saw it on the internet. So obviously it's factually correct. There have been a couple rumors about uh, Morgan having a boyfriend who used to possibly still does work for the agency. And I think that maybe it had come out that she, this was maybe like an agency thing. Morgan was there with her boyfriend at the time. I don't know. But definitely, I don't recall Kyle saying that they've known each other two years, especially as the time of Dorit saying this would be like more than two years. I felt like they just met in like the other day. I don't know, girl. Does the timeline really matter? No, I guess not. The whole thing is just odd. And, and Kyle did some Amazon Live where she talked about how she feels bad because Morgan doesn't really like the spotlight. So she feels bad for like putting her on the show. <laughs> don't feel bad. She's fine. I, I don't think she's, I, I think she's telling you a story. Okay. I, I think Morgan's just fine. Morgan's going to be just fine putting on that mic pack for next season. And so you're not going to have to say it. I feel like you're not going to have to talk her into a thing. Anyway, after that, Kyle and Morgan start eating some fruit kebabs at this event, and Kyle starts feeding her the cantaloupe right off the stick, real sensual, like, Dorit's looking at them like, huh? And she says in a confessional, this is exactly how rumors start. Now, the rest of the episode was highly, highly emotional and compelling, so I, you know, I, there's nothing I could say. I, I can't punch it up. I can't make it funny. Like, it was what it was. It was incredible to hear Kyle talk about her relationship to Maureen and how they've basically known each other their whole lives. 
were like family to each other. They went through all these milestones. Like it was a really compelling and kind speech and memorial to her best friend. And then she says in a confessional something very, yikes, which is uh, that like a couple of days before Lorene passed, she told Kyle, always cherish your marriage. And considering where they are now, she like gets emotional in this confessional. She's like, I feel like I'm disappointing her. That's got to be a lot to carry, you know, because it feels like things kind of started falling apart maybe after this, possibly even partially because it's not because Lorraine passed away, but because of the lack of support on Mauricio's end. And so I just, I, I, I you know, like I'll say what I will about Kyle, but like, I really hate that she feels that because it's not, I'm sure you know, like if Lorraine were still here, she would tell her, like, girl, don't worry about it. You know, like, it's fine. You know, like, I, I, I hate that she feels guilt about that. So very, very compelling episodes, you guys. And I'll be back next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.